I don't want to set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a, a very special mini series of Uncanny Treks as we cover Star Trek Picard Season 3. But also, I wanted to screw with Matt. So we're also covering the miniseries Copenhagen Cowboy on Netflix. So come for your, uh, I don't know, sort of nostalgic Star Trek serialized storytelling. Stay for the weirdness of Nicholas Windegreffen in Copenhagen. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Matt, how the hell are you doing tonight? Yeah, Bob explained that like he's trying to screw me. But really what it is is Bob didn't want to cover Picard. And uh, basically I had to beg Matt to watch Cowboy Copenhagen, wherever the hell I'm watching so that we could cover both. You know, I wanted to just cover Copenhagen Cowboy on its own, but I didn't know uh, if I could get you to do it or if I could get any of our dear listeners to download it. So when uh, when Picard came out, I saw a golden opportunity and I forced it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is evidence Bob is an asshole. Yes. I will go ahead and say this, though, listeners. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, Copenhagen Cowboy, very interesting show. <laughs> so if you're gonna if you're gonna wait out past our Picard coverage, Copenhagen Cowboy, give it a try. It's not it's not a bad show. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's just a miniseries, just uh, six episodes up on Netflix, and I think they're all uh, under an hour, and some are well under uh, well under fifty minutes. I think so. Yeah, it's not too huge a commitment. Also, I promise you it's good, unlike uh, Picard Season 3, where I'm really, you know, they really want you to think it's good. They're really taking a lot of pains in this first episode to convince you it's good. But after the first two seasons, Matt, I'm, I'm skeptical. I'm just skeptical. I mean, I don't have to go back and listen to our coverage of the first two seasons, but I'm pretty sure we were skeptical upon the first episode of each season or were we more like just kind of hesitant like eh, well maybe it'll be okay maybe we're not that old so we didn't do any public coverage of picard season one we just uh we just texted back and forth and i think my attitude about picard season one was mostly positive until the last episode where it became clear that they had no idea what the hell they were doing right i think our attitude about picard season two was was interested but skeptical in the first in the first couple of episodes. That's what I thought. I vaguely remember being okay, somewhat ex, not excited. Excited's too strong of a word, but just I was interested in where season two was going. But then it quickly just you know took a nosedive. Yeah, and I, I think we have a little bit different opinions of Picard season two in which you judge it harshly for being kind of nonsensical and all over the place and zany. Whereas I'm actually kind of glad that there's a lot of filler and a lot of weird zany stuff in the middle. Cause I think the actual plot is so dumb yeah. that the furthest you get, the further you get away from that, the better. Right. So I, th I, th I think we both agree that it's not very good, but I think we disagree a little bit over how enjoyable parts of it were. Right, so coming into season three here, Bob, I mean, after watching the commercials, the trailers, I'll say it, I had high hopes, Bob. I, I know we talked about not having high hopes after the, how shitty season two was. And season one, and season one. As we get closer to that first episode of the season, I'm just like, oh, this is going to be so good. This is going to be so great. It's going to be so awesome. And now I, I can already feel the disappointment maybe kicking in. Okay, okay, that's, yeah. I mean, I am very, very skeptical 
of it, but I don't, not, nothing about it totally rubs me the wrong way yet. I'm just, I just remain very skeptical. All right, so Bob, let's just dig into this episode. We'll just start with the A plot. Sure, sure. So just to be clear, we're talking, If in case it wasn't, we're talking <laughs> Picard Season 3, Episode 1, The Next Generation. Have you ever heard that before, Matt? I, I don't think I have. That's new to me. Uh, but it aired on the 16th of February, 2023. Warning, spoilers for everything. And we're just, I'm going to go ahead and spoil the end of the episode for you. So if you haven't watched it, you may want to cut it right here. But Bob, Next Gen, the name of the episode, is that a reference to The Next Generation of Picard's son? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the going to be the sequel to Picard is that all the children of the crew of the oh, Enterprise God. D are gonna, you know, they're going to be crewing the Enterprise G or H or whatever the hell one we're on now. This is like Prodigy. <laughs> oh God. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, in fairness to it, n- not no Picard season was as bad as Prodigy. So it just, I mean, you know. <laughs> All right, Bob. So, to the A plot. <laughs> to the A plot. It's taking us a while to get there, but we're here. Phaser Rifle Bev sends a distress call to Picard, which motivates him, Riker, and Starfleet Officer Seven of Nine to waylay Riker's old command, the Titan, to investigate. And this was an error of mine in uh, the uh, in the writing of that summary, but I guess I should have said the Titan A, because it's not the same ship that we saw in the lower decks. Uh, it's, yeah confusing as hell yeah because they never call it the titan a although you do see the numbers on the hull and the a is there but they never in the dialogue they always call it the titan which i guess in fairness they always did that with like the enterprise a and d too that right that's, calling it that is mostly a fan thing and the, on air they mostly call it the enterprise but then in the b plot bob Yes, in the B plot, uh, Musiker, who you may remember from last season and season one, one of the uh, one of only three characters to uh, make it to season three from the ensemble that was on the show in season one and two. But Musiker is now undercover for Starfleet intelligence as a junkie, and uh, she does some high level googling of the term "red lady" that she bought from her Orion drug pusher. Yeah, I want whatever Google they're using. It's it's a little more uh, advanced than ours. I was just commiserating with a coworker about how the children don't understand how to Google. Like it's it's not that we object to them Googling for everything, it's we object to how bad and how poorly they how poorly they do it. Were you taught to use like uh, parentheses and all those weird symbols when you Google? I wasn't taught to use parentheses, but I definitely picked up, I don't know if on my own or from someone else, how to use like quotation marks to get exact phrases, but gotcha. I never went, I never went, and I still use that pretty aggressively, but never, never beyond that. Oh, and also to use a, use a minus to say, you know, keep this word out and use a plus to say that this word must be in. Yeah. So that's some advanced Googling, Bob. Good job. <laughs> all right so uh matt i guess first things first are you gonna watch wolfpack yeah i had no idea what the hell you were referencing in the notes here bob what, what it was what is wolfpack uh wolfpack was the ad at least my paramount plus algorithm gave me i don't know why our paramount plus algorithms would be that different but maybe you're watching a lot of rugrats on paramount plus or maybe i'm part of the bourgeoisie bob and i upgraded to the uh no ad package I mean, Matt, if you upgraded to the no ad package, I would be upgraded to the no ad package. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't tell Paramount Plus. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Also, um, I'm pretty sure we are on the no ad package. It's just that 
Paramount Plus, it, it, with Paramount Plus, the no ad package is the one Paramount Plus ad before the show starts. That's the no ad package. Yeah, it's it's very deceiving because I guess they mean no ads that they make money off of, I guess, but that's not very specific when purchasing said package. <laughs> you know, I honestly, like, in principle, I wouldn't mind getting a trailer or a, an ad for another show on the platform I'm on before the show. But I just, the Paramount Plus ones are so bad, and they seem to have nothing to do with your interest, that it's just like, you know, I just kind no, of... It's like there's no algorithm. They just pick a random yeah. show on the platform to... Whatever new, whatever new is coming. And like, as bad and as evil as um, algorithms are, man, sometimes you miss them when they're gone. One other algorithm story. Do you remember that show? I think it was called... It was the show about like Catholic priests investigating the supernatural that we got hit with so many times in front of season two of Picard. Yes. Yeah. My but my buddy Jr. swears that that show is good, and I just I just like man, I I can't watch it. I resent it so much. I had to see the trailer for it so many times. <laughs> like it's I, I just hate it. I'm never going to watch it. Paramount Plus, you ruined that experience for Bob. If it was just a show on Paramount Plus that my boy JR was like, hey, Bob, this is good, I would watch, but. <laughs> I guess All they right. think, Bob, if they shove it down your throat enough, you'll eventually like it. They don't know what a resentful little bitch I am. <laughs> so, Bob, opening music for this show yeah, threw me for a loop because it was called I Don't Want to Set the World on Fire. Oh, yeah, that classic from the 1950s. No, Bob, it actually came out in 1985. Isn't that oh, fucking wild. weird? That is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's by a band called The Ink Spots. And uh, me and probably everybody else that recognized it know it from Fallout. Interesting. Apparently there is a thing where like Picard is ripping off a lot of more modern uh, science fiction games. Uh, I, I think people were really spun up about season one being a ripoff of Mass Effect, which having never played Mass Effect or Fallout, I have no opinions or thoughts, but just an interesting trend. I don't know. So that's kind of like some uh, chicken or egg shit right there. That's what that is. Uh, okay. <laughs> Mass Effect got a lot from Star Trek, too. So it's like, yeah, you can't, yeah. you know. Well, Matt, speaking of temporal confusion, uh, I guess we don't really know what year Picard Season 3 is in or what kind of time jump there has been since Picard Season 2. We do know Picard Season 2 was in uh, 2401, and we're presumably at least a year along, maybe a couple of years along. Yeah, Bob, it said in the 25th century at the very beginning. And then, you know, Picard referenced 20 years ago twice. Yeah. Which was having not seen Beverly in the last time his combat chirped from the Enterprise. But the last time he saw Bev was in, that we know of was 2379 in the Nemesis movie. Right. Although presumably he could have seen her for, you know, a, several more years after that. So They had like a barbecue or something. Yes, they were. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, like, I I don't remember the end of Nemesis that well, but as far as I remember, the adventures of the Enterprise-E were set to continue, right? Right. It, it, I'm assuming there were probably books written, maybe. There were, but they don't count anymore. Gotcha. And, I, I was going to ask, because you read the Picard prequel novel, and this would have been a minor thing, and it might not have come up, or you might not have, might not have remembered it, but do you remember if they gave any confirmation about when Picard stopped commanding the E? No, they didn't, I didn't get okay. any specific. There's like none of that. Like there's nothing. There's nothing written between like when he stops being on the E and then goes to you know being an admiral full time. At least that I've read. 
Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a pretty extensive continuity of novels set after Nemesis that I hear pretty good, but the, yeah, they just, they don't count anymore because of what Discovery and Picard and Prodigy and Lower Decks have done. Yeah, I read online, but I don't really trust the source that this takes place in 2402, but yeah. Yeah, I, I read the same thing and also didn't trust it, yeah. yeah. I will say this though, Bob, the in the 25th century thing, the way they started this off, is the exact same way they started Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan, but I think it says in the 24th century. Oh, I didn't, like I, didn't re- I didn't remember that. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about later The Wrath of Khan parallels, and I spotted some, but that's an interesting one that I didn't spot. Yeah, there's a ton of so, ridiculousness. Uh, I, I'm going to make this jibe once more, and then presumably I'll retire it, but Matt, aren't you glad you watched season one and two since they it clearly will have a lot to do with what happens this season? I don't know, Bob. Every season starts off the same way, though, at the Chateau. So, yes. I mean, I almost think, as if the previous season didn't happen. Right. So, it's like they could just have, like, Picard in his library, like, pulling down books and then talking about all his different adventures each season. You know, would that have been more interesting? Now, I know in the 90s, <laughs> I know in the 90s, DC Comics loved Elseworlds. Yeah. What about Else Picards? That's exactly what this is. They could have called it Tales from Picard. <laughs> tells from the dark Picard yeah. multiverse. <laughs> so uh, we open up on Beverly and this mysterious other person's uh, civilian ship. I think it was called the Elena. And she's, you know, there's a lot of memorabilia from previous seasons. They went really deep with it. I don't, I don't care. I'm not going to, you know, you can find list online. I didn't either. You know how I am about Easter eggs, Bob? I love Easter eggs, but I am not all about some Beverly Crusher Easter eggs. That's too much shit to read into. Too much, too much. But they, they were playing a log entry. And was that an actual log entry from Best of Both Worlds Part 1? Yes, it was, and it specifically mentions like the Enterprise hiding in a gas cloud, which I think alludes to the ending of this episode. Uh, okay, interesting, interesting. Do you know how I knew that was uh, from Best of Both Worlds Part 1? This is very nerdy. How, Bob? The star date. I, 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 understand, <laughs> I understand how the star dates work in Next Generation well enough to pick, pick seasons and years out of oh, them. Oh, fuck, Bob. Do you remember that gold that gold rimmed magazine I had as a kid? Yeah, that was about yeah. It it explained the because the, the start the start dates in the original series don't mean anything, but the the next gen DS nine uh, Voyager ones it's they they mean something, and so it's like easy to kind of parse what season you're in by the start date. That that magazine explains, and I never forgot. <laughs> yeah. I'll say, Bob, you're not quite to the point where you're learning Klingon, but you're you're getting closer. I mean, Matt, I can I can barely learn French and German. How the hell am I going to learn Klingon? <laughs> I want to try Russian at some point, but I know it's just totally going to defeat me. Oh yeah, good luck with that shit. That's that's not easy. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. My 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 friend Allie speaks it fluently, and she's like, "You can do it," and it's just like, "No, I'm a moron. I'm not going to be able to." <laughs> All right, so Matt. Even though we're indifferent to Bev's uh, collection of souvenirs, the iconic image from this episode was uh, Bev with the phaser rifle. Did you approve? Oh, yeah. This will be a classic image of Crusher from this point forward with her rifle. The only other more classic image is her and her, like, stealth outfit from that one episode of Next Gen where they're... Oh, yeah, yeah. Chain of Command, Chain of Command. Chain of Command, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I, I made a meme of this that I was very proud of, and it got no take up on Twitter, and I'm very bitter about it. Go on Facebook and post it on the uh, Star Trek 
groups. They I tried. They didn't post it because it's a spoiler. Even though it was oh, like the most God. it was the most common like shared promotional image for this fucking episode. It happens in the first like minute. Those you mean Beverly Crusher's in this show about Star Trek the Next Generation? Where she was widely featured in the yeah. advertisements? <laughs> what? Yeah. Yeah. You, you remember Pulp Fiction, right? Right. You remember uh, Amanda Plummer standing up with Tim Roth in the diner and yelling, um, <laughs> everybody be cool or I'll execute yeah. every last fucking one of you. Yeah, right. I just put that on the caption. <laughs> apparently, apparently the actress who plays Honey Bunny, the robber, Amanda Plummer, is going to be in this season. Oh, wow. Okay. That's a callback. Yeah, I know, right? I know. Um, so, Matt, these aliens, we don't know who they are, right? And are they wearing masks, or are those their actual faces? I don't know. I was seriously hoping you knew, because I, I didn't know what they were. If, if they are aliens wearing masks, it's, I don't know, that's kind of stupid, in my opinion. But <laughs> Yeah, maybe it's like some brain shit, you know, where they they want to keep That was my out. first impression. That Okay, that's kind of was my first impression. Maybe it could be the brain and then who were those other like crazy aliens from uh, Voyager that always wore the masks? Herogen were the predator knockoffs who sometimes I think had like hunting suits. Herogen, okay, that's who I'm thinking of, Bob. The Herogen, okay, because the, I've these, seen enough. I've seen yeah. enough of their image and your the hunting suits they're wearing. Yes, that's what it reminded yeah. me of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Herogen. I think these. I think these guys are too short and too skinny to be the Malon or the Herogen. And I think you're right. They're new to the series, yeah. new to this season. But what and they, they don't quite look right to be the Breen, but they could be like a Breen redesign, I suppose. The one thing that had me thinking mask was, and it's, yeah, I know we said we wouldn't talk about Bev's souvenirs, but, you know, she had like the classical like comedy and drama mask amongst her stuff. And that that I think that just primed me to be like, oh, is that a mask that that alien is wearing? Bob, that was supposed to show you that Bev enjoyed the theater. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. In that one episode. All right. So we find out from uh, Picard's conversations with Laris, his housekeeper girlfriend, that LaForge is a museum curator now. I don't know. Does that seem like a good job for him? In the novel tie-in that took place before season one, he was in charge of, like, the Mars synth construction stuff, whatever mm-hmm. it was called. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, we saw how that went. It didn't go so well. But he did make it back to Earth. I mean, I guess he wanted something slower and quieter for him. I, I, I've never really I've never really considered it. I guess I didn't really know it before you said it just now. But that's, like, really dark. Like, it's like, hey, Jordy, come back to Earth and create a slave race based on your best friend. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> fucked up, man. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. And then, you know, speaking of, like, Federation history, Starfleet history, you know, I really hate to agree with Guinan's bartender in the bar that Riker and Picard meet at, but uh, Guinan's young bartender, she's right about the galaxy class, man. It's it's really an ugly ship. Yeah, it really is ugly, uh, but it's better, it's better to me than the Voyager that's shaped like a lady's razor. Oh, come on. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> that's exactly what Voyager looks like. It looks like a freaking razor. Voyager is beautiful and never more so than when it's flying through that astronomical phenomenon in the opening credits. I hate you. (laughs) Good good luck. Good luck looking at it now because it's not going to. No, no. I've seen I've seen the same ladies razor commercials that you have and I've managed to suppress and block it and I will continue to do so. (laughs) I will say, Bob, the Excelsior class is still, I think, the best design for a ship. 
I mean, I do agree with you that the Excelsior is the prettiest, but the Voyager is still very pretty as well. So I do enjoy that Crusher's message is explicitly like, no Starfleet. So what do Picard and Riker do? They waylay a Starfleet ship? <laughs> like, what? Well, it would be way too Star Wars if they hired like a private transport. Then you'd have to have like a Han Solo-ish type character. We don't have any of those in Picard yeah. season one or two. No, no, there were no characters like that who were not who were written off in a really weird time travel plot that made no sense. No, that, that's <laughs> exactly. So, so you, you understand, Bob? They had no other option. Yeah, if only if only Picard season one and two wasn't built around a mysterious, cool-looking like private ship. No, that that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I, yeah, that that was dumb. We've already talked about how they were really going for Star Trek two vibes for this premiere episode, but also clearly they're going for Star Trek three vibes, right? The whole like here's space dock. It looks very much like the space dock from Star Trek three. Here's the new douche captain who looks very much like the douche captain of the Excelsior in Star Trek three. Oh, look, they're stealing the ship. You know, they're very much going for that stuff. So, Matt, did you cringe when they called the Titan a Neo-Constitution class? What does that even mean, Bob? What does that mean, Neo-Constitution class? What does that mean? It, I guess because it sort of looks like the Constitution class. They, you know, like, oh, it's it's the Constitution class, but future, Matt, it's Neo. Like Keanu Reeves, you know. Ugh. Yeah, it's so bad. Like, I don't, don't, don't put stuff in front of the classes. Just name them something different. Yeah, I saw some confusion about this online, but we saw the Titan under Riker's command in Lower Decks. In that series, I'm pretty sure it was called Luna Class, but it does seem like, you know, at some point it got destroyed or decommissioned, and Riker was in command of the Titan A because the way he and Shaw, the captain of the Titan A, now talk, right, it, was, it used to be Riker's ship, so... Uh, Riker did that whole Kirk thing of, you know, doing the, the first version and then the A version. Although I guess there was a ship called the Titan before Riker's Titan. So not really the first. Bob, you think this ship has been decommissioned at a museum? <laughs> Possibly so, Matt. Possibly so. Okay. I do, I do want to ask you, since the new Star Trek seems to really be going in this direction, like it looks like we're probably going to have Voyager A in Star Trek Prodigy Season 2. And I think there was some references in Discovery to something like a Voyager J. Do you like that move of having, like, other ships besides the Enterprise have the ABC suffix? Or do you think that should just be reserved for the Enterprise? I'm fine with it. I mean, because it gives the ship a legacy. I guess I kind of like it in the sense that it maybe makes the Enterprise a little less special, but I'm kind of not, I, I don't know. It, it, it also seems to me to be a little cheap somehow. Yeah, and especially when you get up to the letters, like I guess we're not going for the Enterprise F. There was a screen. <laughs> there, were, yeah, there was legit a screen on, the sh on this episode that had Voyager A and it had Enterprise F as both being decommissioned. I think the whole plot is that at some point they're going to hijack the decommissioned Enterprise F. Spoilers oh, oh, from a God. museum run by God. Gordy LaForge. Oh, Jordy. Oh, Jordy, God. Gordy, Jordy. <laughs> God. Gordy. That was what my brother called him. Okay, so <clears throat> Supernova takes place. That's the finale of Prodigy. Yeah. 
that takes place in 2384. So at least 15 years before this. And so presumably if that is the Voyager A, they meet at the end of that episode, then yeah, it could be. I mean, that doesn't seem that long, but like it could be at the end of its life and being decommissioned by this episode. Yeah, that's a possibility. Because, I mean, the Enterprise F is being decommissioned as well, so we know where the E was last. And, yeah, you know. and the E is only, like, tw- you know, only 20 years or so uh, before this was in action. So, man, they're really going through these ships pretty quickly in Starfleet. Apparently they don't last as long as we thought they did after all those five-year missions. Well, I mean, the, the Excelsior and the Miranda classes lasted for 100 years, man. They don't make them like they used to, Bob. No, they sure don't, man. They're using they sure cheap-ass materials from the Ferengi. Yeah, well, and you know, I hear they, uh, I hear they take it to substandard planets to construct them. That they're not made on Earth and Vulcan anymore. They're made on Rigel Three. <laughs> yeah, an awful Rigel Three. So this was a pretty amusing way to introduce Crash LaForge. Uh, Picard asking, "Is there something wrong with that ensign?" Yeah, she's just smiling at him. I mean, I felt bad for her because she wanted to talk to Picard so bad, but Picard just could not recognize her and. Apparently, this is a nod to Picard not being able to recall her name and all good things. Oh, I didn't remember that she... Did she, like, come up in a conversation? Yeah, LaForge okay. has three kids, and he can't remember the name of, of this one. Nice. That's which now, you, now you fucked me up because you call her Crash LaForge. I know that's not her name. But. Her name is Sydney, but I'm going to keep referring to her as Crash. Yeah, she's always crashing ships. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she's still the helm of the Titan. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good it's it's a good joke. It's a good joke. Speaking of uh, overworked jokes, uh, man, they're really going overtime to make us hate Captain Liam Shaw. It's very amusing. Do you recognize the actor? No, I had no clue who he was. Apparently, I I didn't see this, but apparently he was Black Mask on Gotham. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I don't remember Black Mask on Gotham. I mean, he was. I'm sure he was because every character under the sun was on that show, but except for Batman. Except for Batman, well, duh, Bob. We can't put Batman on a Batman shoe. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be ridiculous. Why would why we would put, we even consider? We can that? put Bruce Wayne. We can put Bruce Wayne in a mask, but we can't put Batman. Not in a bat mask, though. It can sort of look like a bat mask, but it can't be a bat mask. But going back to Captain Liam Shaw, Bob, like you knew shit was going down when they first meet. Like they meet seven of nine at the very. You know, she greets them on the ship. She says that the captain wants her to go by whatever her like actual name is. I can't forget what it is, but Annika Hansen. Annika Hansen, yeah, wants her to go by the name Annika Hansen. Which you're like, that's weird. Is that her choice or not? And you're like, oh. Then you find out he's a racist against the Borg. Yeah, yeah. And as much as I do, I do hate to give credit uh, to the show for you know actually using its prior seasons that is kind of a throwback to some of the stuff in season one where we had you know the xb prejudice or x board prejudice i mean i figure that if you're a captain of a starship you probably need to not have that kind of prejudice maybe it would probably be a good idea <laughs> probably <laughs> um or like if you are i mean you shouldn't be prejudiced and but if you are going to be prejudiced and be in Starfleet, maybe you shouldn't have an XB as an XO. Maybe you should give her a better <laughs> job where she doesn't have to work under a bigot. Yeah, um, out, of all the, out of all the places you could put her, you know. That's... Of course, I mean, you know, you can understand, like, at least sociologically. I'm not morally justifying it, but you can understand sociologically that, like, after all the stuff the Borg have done to the Federation and all the stuff that went down with the synths in 
you know, before and around Picard season one, it wouldn't be surprising if there were a fair amount of uh, prejudice in Federation and Starfleet against like artificial life, right? You assimilated my woman. <laughs> you assimilated my sister. You assimilated my job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So I was, have you ever seen the Chupacabra episode of the X-Files? No. Uh, it's pretty terrible, but pretty great. It's, you know, from the mid-90s. It's the Mulder and Scully hunting the Chupacabra amongst um, a bunch of migrant workers in Southern California. And at one point, uh, Scully literally turns to Mulder and she's like, Mulder, I think you're afraid to admit that in this case, the aliens aren't the villains. The aliens are the victims. I was watching that last night. Yeah, that makes more sense with the Borg, yeah. (laughs) But they take our jobs. (laughs) No, no, Matt, they don't take our jobs. They assimilate our jobs. Assimilate our jobs. Get it right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So speaking of dread and fear, uh, I was really dreading this whole red lady thing. That Oh, uh, me too. Yeah. You got flashbacks to Red Angel from Discovery Season 2. I was like, please don't drag this shit out. Please, God. I'm so tired of red things that just... Red mysteries that take a season. Yeah. Not (laughs) necessary. Thankfully, it didn't take a season. I was actually somewhat impressed. I mean, the Googling (laughs) was kind of dumb, but... Raffi Googled it really hard for like five minutes and she figured out that the red lady was a red statue of Rachel Garrett and the mystery was solved. And I was very grateful. Yep. Rachel Garrett folks, captain of the enterprise C. Hell yeah, baby. I've always wanted to like see like a, I don't want a whole show about her necessarily, but you know how like in the early days of discovery, like before it came out, there were some rumors it would be an anthology show. Yes. I was really, I always thought it would be really cool if a season had been about Rachel Garrett. I, I, I don't want a whole show about her, but I think like a, a good season about her would be cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I would love to see what happens with the Enterprise C because I can't even remember what the ship looks like, honestly, other than I think, like the micro machine you had of it. Oh, you don't remember the Ambassador class? Vaguely, like I can remember the Enterprise B because it was basically the Excelsior. It was the same shape. Honestly, like, if you want to remember the Ambassador class, if you were going to, before you saw the Titan A, if you were going to call a ship Neo-Constitution class, it would be the Ambassador class. Did Rachel Garrett die? She dies uh, at that battle um, where she's rescuing the Cleons. And remember, there's the whole Yesterday's Enterprise episode. Yes, that's what, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, great, great, great episode, great episode. Um, so Picard and Riker, they get to Bev's ship, and then we find out that uh, Bev has gotten the Nora Fry's treatment, which is to say, like Mr. Freeze's wife, she's in cryonic suspension because of her injuries. And then, uh, Matt, did you uh, did you laugh when we had the big reveal? I, I kind of did, yeah, and I was kind of like, I wasn't shocked, but I was... I, I was kind of annoyed that they went with that. Yeah, so a kid who claims to be Beverly's son shows up, and his na- it, it's not said here, but we know from the promo materials that his name is Jack after Beverly's uh, first husband. And, you know, presumably he's also Picard's boy, hence the 20-year gap. I don't know, man. I mean, he probably sucks, but it, it would... It won't be hard for him to be a better character than Beverly's other son. So, you know, here's hoping. And this is another thing. Probably this is just what they did. But 
they cast a 34-year-old man to play the boy. <laughs> so presumably in, in universe, he's only like 19 or 20, right? Yeah, so right. I don't I don't know if that I don't know if that age discrepancy is significant, but there it is. Bob, I I just want this to all be a red herring. I really do. Yeah, I mean, given the age discrepancy, it might be, but at the same time, like it seems really weird that like Bev had a kid for 15 years. I guess that that would mean she gave birth to him around the time she joined the uh, she joined the Enterprise, right? The next generation I think starts in 2364. She would have given birth to him if he's 34 during his time during her time in the next generation TV show. So Oh yeah, I, I mean he's he's supposed to be like 19. Like it's not yeah, it's supposed to be she went off and had a kid and Picard was unaware. And that maybe she was um, hiding him for twenty years. I don't fucking know. Maybe, like, what? Remember how she was not on the show in season two? Maybe that. Maybe that. Oh shit, Bob! What if she got yeah. knocked up by Picard in season one, <laughs> and then she just resented him and never told him for like years? This is and the years. best. This could be the best plot ever, Bob. This. I'm gonna be very disappointed if this does not come through. They're probably. They're probably not. It's probably. It's probably either gonna not be Picard's kid. And they're just doing the Star Trek Two energy to tease us. That's what I would prefer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or or it is going to be Picard's kid, but you know she just broke off contact when she realized she was pregnant and that Picard would be a bad father or whatever. Yeah. But if y'all can okay. totally tie this shit into season two of Next Gen, where that's where she was taking some time off, maybe, to maybe. not raise her kid, but to get her son up for adoption or something. I don't know what she's yeah. doing with him, but I don't care. But wouldn't it be funny if, like, that's why Dr. Pulaski in season two was, like, an asshole to everybody? Because she's like, yeah, Beverly told me about y'all and how you wouldn't yeah. be supportive of her being pregnant. <laughs> Fuck y'all. She's having to get rid of her baby right now just so she can get back on the stupid ship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in universe, she was transferred back to Starfleet Medical, I think was the explanation. Okay, well, there's there's some options here, but I'm a, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say they're probably going for the whole it's Picard's son thing. Even though I was still sold on them killing Picard in season one and then naming the ship Picard. <laughs> so I like I like them killing Picard in season one. I don't like them naming the ship uh, Picard. The La Serena is a bet is much better name than the Picard. The USS Picard. <laughs> Although I'm I'm not sure, but Picard might be a better name than the Enterprise F. I'm I'm, I'm still <laughs> up in the air about that. Yeah, that's pretty rough. So I just I did want to observe that there's a weird pattern in this show that the only two characters really from seasons one and two they bring back are Musiker and Seven, but they bring them both back in roles that seem very wrong for them. Right? Like uh, Musiker is seems like she's a junkie again. Seven is like just joined Starfleet and is going by her human name, and you're like, "Oh, this seems wrong." And then the episode is just like, "No, no, no! Actually, Misakur is not a junkie. She's just undercover as a junkie." And yeah, actually, Seven did join Starfleet, but she regrets it. And I don't know. It, it was just a kind of weird, a weird thing. Presumably, they're not together anymore, but that's not really addressed. I really wish they would have drug this out for a couple more episodes, Bob. Well, when you put it like that, okay. I, I prefer the weird pattern. Okay, you win. You win, Matt. So we already talked some about the Star Trek II similarities, especially with the kid. Is there is there more you want to say about Star Trek II similarities? Yeah. The whole idea behind this is that I feel like they're just 
copying the same plot points from Star Trek 2 and that we're going to get a big reveal with these dudes in the masks and please God do not let them be the eugenics people yeah I guess that is the most likely thing isn't it yes uh, and uh, this is that is my thought process is that they are really just taking a whole lot of ideas from Star Trek 2 and doing them with next gen characters I don't know who the con equivalent's going to be. But... Well, the optimistic reading would be that they would bring back Tom Hardy from Nemesis, who was supposed to be Picard's con. Yeah. That was the whole pitch of that movie. Also, Matt, does it make you feel really fucking old that Nemesis came out 20 years ago? Yeah, it really does. Cause it yeah. seems like, to me, that was the last Star Trek movie that came out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, truth, man, preach. Yeah, Preach. and I'm like, oh, wow, it's been 20 years. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, yeah. Well, do you want to turn to something that'll make us happier, Matt? Yeah, we'll hit our Copenhagen uh, cowboy here. So, Bob, let yeah. me tell you about Copenhagen cowboy. When you came up, you gave me the name of the show. Uh-huh. Copenhagen, to me, has always been like, like, I understand it's the capital of Denmark. I'm not a complete dumbass. But when you hear the word Copenhagen in, in my brain, the first thing that pops up is like tobacco. Well, Matt, that's because you're this uh, snooty upper class guy. When I think chewing tobacco, I think skull. Yeah. If skull, <laughs> if skull was good enough for my daddy and good enough for my granddaddy and good enough for my brother and good enough for my uncles and good enough for my cousins, it ought to be good enough for you. But no, you need that fancy Copenhagen chaw. Uh, exactly. And then, you know, when I hear the word cowboy, I think of like guy with the, the cowboy Marlboro hat. Man. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, you thought this was going to be like propaganda for big tobacco? This is how I came into the show, Bob. Yes. <laughs> That's a good these, way to come into it. These are like my that. expectations. <laughs> I know. I, I like that. That's good. Yeah, That's good. So, so, let's, so let's hit hit everybody with the A-plot, Bob, of, of what this is about. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you rather read the A-plot, Matt? Sure, Bob. I can read the A-plot. <laughs> G- human good luck charm, Mew is bought by pregnancy-aspiring Serbian sex trafficker Rosella, who works with her brother Andre and her pigman Danish husband Sven. Very good, Matt. Very good. You nailed that shit. Yeah. And then in the B-plot, we see the legs of a man strangling a young woman in a pig barn. Uh, so, Bob, this is a supernatural noir thriller. Uh, it's pronounced noir. Um, what did I say? Did I not say that right? Noir. You said no- Noir. 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 Film noir. Noir. I don't, I, maybe I've been saying that wrong Not my whole nor. Life. Noir. 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 That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, <they're> Fuck you. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to say it with the bad, the bad French accent of an American who struggles to speak French. Noir. No. Oh. <laughs> so maybe you're saying it wrong. All right. Anyway. Go back. No, I'm <laughs> saying it right. God damn it. <laughs> Um, I mean, none of those words are wrong. It's not how I would describe <laughs> it. Well, I mean, your pronunciation of one of them was wrong, but they're, yeah. they're not not—they're not inaccurate. Uh, I, I prefer to think of it as uh, Nicholas Wendig Refn's uh, superhero miniseries, Matt. But let me run, let me run you through uh, three important questions. Matt, do you like neon? I'm okay with neon, Bob. Do you like synth music? No. Not my thing. Ooh, that, that, that might be a problem as we go forward. Yeah. Do you like slow, silent tracking shots? Yeah, th- those I can get behind. I'm okay, okay with those. Then you can probably enjoy this. I mean, those are, <laughs> that's 
that's really what this show and really almost any Nicholas Wendig Griffin uh, production is about. Neon, synth, slow, silent tracking shots. Those are the three ingredients. Um, have you seen anything by him before? I watched Bronson, yeah. Yeah, Bronson's fun. Not not very characteristic of his style, but uh, Bronson's fun. If you want to get a taste of his style, uh, the movie Drive would probably be the best thing to watch. I feel like I've watched that film, but I it, there's so many. I, I feel like there's multiple movies named Drive or Crash. I never know which one I'm actually watch. I've watched. Oh yeah, there there are two movies named Crash. I only know one movie named Drive, but it is sort of a remake of a late '70s movie called The Driver, so that gets a little confusing. Okay. Uh, another way to get the flavor: Have you ever seen the neon noir cut of the Star Wars prequels? No. You should give that a watch sometime. You might like it. It. It's usually up on YouTube, although sometimes it gets it gets taken down for copyright reasons. But it's just like it's basically just the three prequels edited together into like a two hour movie with a bunch of like synth music over it. Okay, well I told you I don't like synth music, Bob, so I may have to I, pass on that one. You might you might you might like start to like it based on this. Like I'm just glad you said it was two hours and I didn't have to go back and rewatch all three oh, films. Re- hell no, you re- redone as hell a uh, no. redone as some neon noir thing. You know the you know the only part they include from the Phantom Menace, the fight with Darth Maul. <laughs> is, that, is that how it starts? It's, yeah, it's 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 great. Oh, that's man. actually pretty, that's that's pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah, and no, and they they edit it really well to the music. It's it's good. The speaking, I guess, of things that this might remind you of, the opening scene in the pig barn of the strangling gives me big overtones of like the Ridley Scott movie Hannibal and the TV series Hannibal. Have you seen either? Yeah, I've seen the Ridley Scott film. Okay, you've never seen the you've never seen the TV show Hannibal. I haven't though? watched a TV show, no. Oh, that's a shame, man. It's so much better than any of the movies. It, it, I know that sounds unlikely. I was very skeptical of it too, but it's like really, really good. Um, yeah, no. It also has there's a fight in season two between Lawrence Fishburne and Mads Mikkelsen that's one of the best fights ever put put on TV. It's just brutal. Going back to the whole series of Bob. Just yeah, so everyone yeah. understands, the main character in this allegedly has the same powers as like Domino or Longshot from the X-Men, right? Something like that, it seems to be. I mean, at some points they describe her as uh, a good luck charm. At other points they describe you as a witch, right? And I, I did like that part where when Roselle is like exiling Mew to the basement of the sex trafficking mansion after Roselle miscarries, uh, you know, per advice to the whatever woman sh- friend she was talking with on the phone, she's wearing sunglasses, like, to cover up her eyes to protect herself from Mew's magic. I thought that was kind of a neat little detail. Do you think that Mew is short for mutant? <laughs> um, I mean, it could be, but the show never cares enough to resolve that question. <laughs> but Bob, I need these answers. I need to know what her genetic code looks like. Yeah. No, it turns out, Matt, it's not Namor and it's not Miss Marvel who's the first mutant. It's Mew the Mysterious. Mew the Mysterious. I like that. So I will. Uh, I do have to say that I think the most haunting words I've ever heard now are, this is Roselle speaking to Mew. You will be present tonight in the room. Yeah, and that shit is exactly how you pictured it. Uh, you know, this this woman wants to have a baby. She's an older lady, you know, so I, th- this is like one of her last, like, 
ditch effort to have a child before she's too old. Yeah, her husband is a, a pig. A Danish pig man, yes. A Danish pig man, yes. And he looks at Mew the whole time as he's, you know, making love to his wife. As they try, attempt to conceive a child. As he but, oinks and thrusts with the blankets covered over Roselle's face. Yes, it's, it's fucking awful. Yep, yep. And, I, you know, Matt, would you agree with me that this is the most unflattering portrait of uh, both Serbs and Danish people ever put to screen? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I'm not a very worldly person, but I, this makes me not want to go to those places. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you afraid you're, you're going to get sex trafficked like the girls, Matt? They're going to steal your passport? Yes, they are. <laughs> apparently that's what, that's what goes down in all these other countries. <laughs> <laughs> probably goes down here yeah. too i just don't realize it but you know oh it does it does yeah, for yeah, sure that's, that, for that's sure. the sad part yeah we, we you know we have these really like haunting interchanges in the in the sex trafficking mansion and then we see a little bit of like andre's like sex trafficking uh brothel in his studio right and did that did that uh studio did that brothel kind of give you black lodge vibes it did, but it also gave me some flashbacks. I had mentioned this in some other episodes we've done. Of Big Sky. Yeah, tell me what Big Sky is again. Big Sky is a it's a show about uh, crime in like a small town. In, uh, is it set in Montana? Montana, yeah. Set in Montana. And you just have a lot. It has human trafficking is involved with it. Like It's, mm-hmm. it's all about these girls that get human trafficked and... Uh, how they eventually leads to them becoming like uh, detectives. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Okay. It's, it, it's got some really weird, uh, it doesn't have the supernatural stuff as much, Yeah, but it's got yeah. the, the whole detective piece has a lot of twin peak vibes that, okay. twin peaks vibes that and that was it. it. It's definitely not a, a new twin peaks. though. So don't, if you do watch it, don't go in with that kind of lens. Cause it's not, you know, the supernatural piece isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that, if you're really hankering for the vibe of Twin Peaks, the return, like the, you know, and the Black Lodge and all that good stuff, then Copenhagen Cowboy is not exactly that, but it's probably the closest you're going to get to it, which is one of the reasons I would recommend it. Yeah, it, I could totally get the, I, I feel the vibes from the shows I'm watching, and especially when there's just weird ass scenes that kind of linger. That reminds yeah, me of it. Yeah. That, that, that's what it, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's yeah probably one of the key uh, things that defines both Lynch and Refn is like just real real patience as directors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I mean certainly the night driving in this you know gives gives me at least very strong vibes from Lost Highway as well as Twin Peaks. Unfortunately, my stupid brain was exposed to Terminator Two first, which fucked me up with all driving scenes. <laughs> because I don't know if you remember like the the driving on the highway where they follow the line. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I'm I, saying. But it's stuck in my brain forever, and I'm like that. That screwed me up for all driving scenes from that point forward. <laughs> that too, too bad, too bad. You got, you got to hit like Mulholland Drive or Lost yeah. Highway or Terminator <laughs> Two. That's how you do yeah. it. Right? Yeah, when you're when you're like eight. Yes, that's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess ne- neither of those were options when you're eight. Wild at Heart was an option when you were eight, though. Yeah, not that, well, not that you could have watched it, but it was Terminator. Terminator Terminator Two should not have probably been an option, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the real issue here. <laughs> oh man. And so, uh, not not to be confused with Sven, the Danish pig man, 
Um, but, you know, the reveal at the end of the episode is that scene we started with of the strangling in the pig marn is uh, Nicholas, the Danish pig man, uh, who picks up Simona in his car, takes her to the pig barn, kills her. He yeah. was also present in the brothel. Did you did you did you clock that? I didn't know. I, I didn't. Catch yeah, it, but... I did. I didn't the first time I watched it either. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just just so we clarify for the listeners, these people aren't actually pigmen. I know we cover a lot of weird shit in Uncanny Trucks. They just sound like pigmen, but it's a it's it's an artistic choice. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of they do a lot of pig like grunting in yeah. lieu of talking, and they also are vaguely was it porcine? Is that the adjective? Yes. They're vaguely poor sign in appearance, but they're not literally pigmen, except for when they're grunting, when they pretty much are. Yeah, and they're grunting when they're, you know, doing awful, evil things. One of them, but Sven also grunts really bad when he's getting his ass handed to him by Andre, so. Yeah, yeah, that and that is one of the more satisfying scenes is Sven uh, seems uh, very down to coerce the poor sex trafficked girls into sex often. But Andre doesn't like this because he's not getting paid for it. And so in one scene, he uh, just beats the crap out of Sven in front of Roselle and Mew. And that's very satisfying, even though Andre is also like super creepy like that. That advertisement when he's talking to the girl, like to encourage people to work for the firm. And, she, you know, he has her like say that like, oh, yeah, she wants her sister and her mother to come work for him. That's just like haunting, man. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's just like such a combination of like just like primal evil, but also like kind of like corporate PR internet culture. So, Bob, I, I play this new game now where like I decided that when both my wife and I are in the living room and you've asked me to watch one of these shows, I just turn it on with her in the room just to see like what her reaction is. <laughs> when, it's when, usually... when, when, when does she tap out? No, yeah. Well, she she doesn't tap out, but she she certain scenes will get her to like comment on it or whatever, just occasionally because she's usually looking at her phone. So the one that got her here was when the when Andre was beating up Sven, and yeah, he kept making yeah. the pig noises. Yeah. She looks up at me and goes, "Why are they beating up that poor pig?" <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "I don't know, Heather. I don't know why he's beating up that pig." <laughs> like. I like partially yeah. because I, I am like a really sick and fucked up person and partially because you just enjoy presenting me as a sick <laughs> and fucked up person that your wife and your brother just think I'm like the most degenerate person to ever live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe. I don't know. My brother, maybe not so much. My wife, I don't know if she's quite sold on you yet, but I don't really care. So, <laughs> like, whatever. You've got your friends. I've got my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, c coming up on uh, coming up on thirty years of our friendship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, de definitely looking forward to the next episode, Bob. Yeah, I mean, kind of like with Twin Peaks, don't necessarily expect for plot resolution in a you know in a conventional sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I can kind of sense that from the first episode, but it was good. good. It's a fun little ride so far. So, I mean, part of the reason. Yeah, I wanted to, I just wanted to talk about Copenhagen Cowboy, and so that's part of the reason we're doing it. But I also thought the unlikeliness of the juxtaposition of what I expected Picard Season 3 to be 
and Copenhagen Cowboy would be kind of funny. And so I thought we might play the game each week we talk about Copenhagen Cowboy of what Picard character should be on Copenhagen Cowboy and vice versa, what Copenhagen Cowboy character should be on Picard. So Matt, what's your theory? I think Mew would have been an excellent human MacGuffin in Picard. Yeah, yeah. She especially has, I'm blanking on the name of the girl, but she has similar vibes to the girl from season one in Picard. Yeah, the android. The android. The synth. The synth. Yeah. Oh, God. I, I am getting old. I just can't. I mean, I don't care, but I really can't yeah. place the name of the synth. And I think uh, Rafi, though, Rafi would fit in with uh, Copenhagen. Would she be undercover or would she just be having a good time? She probably would have been a, a prostitute in the, the thing so far. You could have seven like rescuer, like you know, like you have with um, with Simona and Mew in this uh, in this episode. It'd be sweet. Exactly. Until there se- you go. Until seven gets strangled in a pig barn by a pig man. Oh god. Poor yeah, seven. They, it is hard to compare these two like this, Bob, because it's yeah. all running together and it doesn't look right in my head. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Seven of nine being choked by a pig man. I, so I I would say for my answer that I think it might be funny to take the most hateful characters in each episode and swap them. Um, and granted, like objectively Roselle shouldn't be the most hateful character. Uh, probably like Andre or Sven should be, the, or, or, or Nicolas should be the most hateful character, but it's really hard not to hate Roselle and you spend a lot of time with her. So well, she's the ahead. brains of it all though. That's the thing. Yeah. She's the reason well, for it all. Even though Sven, she... like I hate Sven, yeah. Obviously, because he's he's a fucking rapist up here. Obviously, you know what I mean. Like yeah, you're yeah, meant to hate him 100. percent Yeah, clearly, clearly. But he's also he seems kind of dumb. Whereas Roselle seems like the brains of the operation, and, and with her and her brother. I don't I don't know. Like I get the vibe. This is an interesting question. I mean, you could be right. I don't I don't rule it out. But I sort of get the vibe that like it really is Andre's operation, and he just kind of lets Roselle be a hanger on, right? Like, especially in that scene where she's, oh, she's cleaning. cleaning the bra. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She, I, I was, yeah, there's a very confusing scene there that I, I, I wish we would have brought it up earlier, but, uh, yeah, because she, it's almost like she's his mother. <laughs> like, yeah, and I think in the plot description I read online, it describes her as his half-sister. Okay. Which kind which kind of makes sense given that they look very different, right? And their ages are a little different or seem yeah. to be a little different at least. But yeah, there's something maternal to it, but they're also just it also just seems to be like okay, Andre's doing well with this with this sex trafficking thing and he just kind of allows Roselle and her husband to have a little piece of it, you know? Yeah. And she cleans the house for him. Yeah, and then did you did you clock that um, re, that was Andre's daughter also in that scene? Who I think her name is Fiona. I didn't. No, Flora. Flora. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't catch that was his daughter. No. Yeah, and so it's kind of interesting because it's it's a little vague. Like, is she one of the trafficking victims? But no, it's actually his daughter, and her name is Flora. And she she plays, as I remember, she plays a little bit of a role in the next episode. Okay. Yeah, she didn't. I I thought she was one of the trafficking victims as well. Like I didn't catch on to that. Yeah, yeah. But it was kind of interesting, like the contempt that both Flora and Andre so had. When I watch Twin Peaks: The Return, Bob, I watch every episode twice. Do you oh, that's think a good that strategy? Do you think that would be a good idea for this show as well? 
Um, I think it would be a good idea, but one I don't viewing want you... early in, yeah, one viewing early in the week, one viewing er- yeah. later in the week, give it some time. Okay. I think it would be a good idea, but I don't, I, I just don't want you to like burn yourself out on oh, it right. or feel obligated, you know? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I don't have to worry about that. I, I just want to make sure, cause, cause I feel like uh, there's a lot to be seen in these where like as with Picard, we can probably catch most of the stuff he did like the first time through. Sorry, listeners. I'm not watching Picard more yeah. than once. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, as far as that goes, yeah, we, I, I may need to just go back and review just to see if I can pick up on stuff. Because there's yeah, definitely think, stuff to pull out from it, um, repeat, re- repeated viewings. Yeah, yeah, okay. defi- definitely, I, I would say definitely. But I think it would be funny to to swap the most, maybe most hateful is not right, because like I said, Andre should probably, or Nicolas should probably be the most hateful. But we'll say that uh, the most annoying characters, and so have Rizel in command of the Titan A, having Picard and Riker to dinner, and having Liam Shaw, uh, you know, cleaning up in a brothel. Both of those images really amuse me. If Liam Shaw really wants to be a father, so he traffics a, a good luck charm instead of a sex worker. <laughs> But I really do like your idea of uh, Raffi and Seven uh, going undercover uh, in the uh, in the brothel. But you know, they're going to bust this operation wide open, baby. All right, Matt. Who is your character of the week from both shows? All right, Bob. Character of the week goes to Beverly Crusher. Yeah, that's uh, that would definitely be my choice. Uh, from Picard. I don't know what that says about Picard that, um, you know, she's only in the first scene and then she's in cryosleep and we like her the best, but it's good to see Bev. Yeah, that, that was mainly it. It was just kind of a nostalgia thing because we haven't seen her other than that horrible voiceover work oh, she God. did. Prodigy. Yeah, where she was the only living actor in the scene. Oh, my God. It still makes and and Trek Twitter just loved it. They saw no problem with it. Yeah, I think my character of the week is going to be Simona. Uh, her her relationship to uh, to Mew was very sweet on Copenhagen Cowboy. I'm sorry that she got strangled to death by a pig man. R.I.P. Simona. All right, Bob. So episode of the week, even though Next Generation had all the nostalgia feels and like previous seasons of Picard, the first episode, you don't know what you're going into. Kind of skeptical. Not quite hating on it completely just yet, but you know. <laughs> the, the 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 sweet sweet time before we just yeah. turned our territory shreds. But even with all that said, Bob, I think that Mew the Mysterious from Copenhagen Cowboy wins episode of the week this week. Hell yeah, brother! Glad you enjoyed it, at good, least good relative show. to the show that you expect to hate. <laughs> good show. All right. Well, this has been our extensive coverage of uh, Next Gen and Mew the Mysterious, Star Trek Picard, and Copenhagen Cowboy. Next episode will probably be shorter. We are Uncanny Treks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That's Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.